On today's show, we continue the design principles for residential comfort advisors. Now, before we get started, I want to make sure you all get signed up for Epic 2023 in Las Vegas, Nevada on March 16th and 17th. We've got an amazing lineup of keynote speakers and educational breakouts. If you're hesitant for whatever reason, go to epic2023.com and click the sneak peek button. You'll fill out the form there and get access to a free video package from all of our presenters. So you can check them out before you sign up. And if you're ready to get registered, do so at epic2023.com today. And just one more thing before we roll in today's show, if you aren't signed up for any events, whether that's an in-person event or a virtual event, take a look at the event calendar at events.mycontractuniversity and get signed up. They're all absolutely free for all members, so take advantage of it and sign up for some events today. All right, let's get started with today's show with Drew Cameron and Eric Kelsis. They're going to continue the discussion on the very important design principles for residential comfort advisors. Take it away, gentlemen. Make the customer aware of everything that's going on in their home, the good, the bad, and the indifferent and the ugly, right? So that they, they can become a better steward over their home, even if it's things that you don't do, because that way you're a better resource to the consumer. And that way you differentiate, you stand out in the customer's mind as the, the resident expert in all things, and you're helping them understand things, even if it's some things they can do on their own. Like, you know, customers can literally roll out some Pink Panther insulation and put it into their attic if they wanted to. You may not do insulation, but if you told a homeowner, hey, why don't you reduce the load on your house before we produce the BTUs by adding them some insulation in your uh, attic? It's probably the, uh, the most cost-effective thing that you can do to improve comfort and energy efficiency in the home. But also part of uh, the thermal, uh, thermal comfort is, is the equipment. Now, that's obviously what it is that the HVAC contractors do that are tuned in here today, right? And so what we're talking about there, Eric, is the type of equipment, the location of the equipment, right. the design, the installation, and the performance of that equipment kind of all coming together is going to impact that thermal comfort in the living space, right? Right. It's a big thing. A lot of customers don't know where the equipment is. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't realize how many times I've been told that the filter doesn't get dirty. Yeah. You know, it's a self-cleaning filter. Yeah, where the air conditioner's in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, they can usually tell me where the air conditioner is because it makes noise, yeah. but they have trouble telling me but where the air conditioner is. they don't understand the air conditioner's not in the backyard. Part of it's in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they, I ask them where the filter's at and what size are they? Mm -hmm. and, and if they say, well, I don't have a filter, that's a call <laughs> for action to me to find it and because yeah. to, to, it hasn't been changed in a really, really long time. Probably, yeah. So if you don't, make, And if you truly don't have a filter, then you're the filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because your lungs are like an right. arse. Uh, the MERV 7. Right. And if you don't have a, a filter that's at least the MERV 7, yep. then then your house is dirtier than your lungs. Yeah. Many cases. So either buy a filter or be a filter, as we like to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how efficient your filter is determines how efficient your lungs have to be. That's correct. Yep. So we'll get into air quality more tomorrow. All right. So uh, item number two, we go beyond thermal comfort. We talk about humidity and moisture control. So talk about the impact of moisture and humidity in the house, both whether it's too much or too little and uh, over the course of the year. What, did that, what does that do to the house and what does that do to the occupants? Well, if you have too much humidity what happens to the building, it rots. It rots. So I try my best to keep the moisture between 40 and 50%. Yeah. Okay. You if can't do that during the winter though, probably, right? 50%? Year. 
all year. 50%? Uh, you don't worry about the, the moisture between the, 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 the drywall and the outside wall? Well, possibly in getting the Kansas mold? City area, it dries out in the fall and the winter, and then in the spring, it becomes saturated. Okay. So you have to follow the humidity flow. Yeah. So and you start seeing condensation on the windows during the winter. That's a bad thing. Too, too much humidity. Way too much. Yeah, way too much humidity. Yeah. yeah. So dial that down maybe. Right. Maybe not get, getting in, that 40%. In the winter time, sometimes you have to cook pasta, boil some water. Yeah. If you know you're real dry, you need to figure on adding some water somehow, yeah. either through humidification. And there's basically three kinds of humidifiers. You've got the old- We'll talk about that tomorrow. Okay. I'm right, gonna keep, keep you in check today, right? <laughs> so, but I do wanna talk about that, uh, you know, being too dry. What about it being too dry? What, what does that do to the building? It actually will shrink your wood. Okay, so that also rots the building. Drying uh, <laughs> out the wood and the, the construction materials can, can rot out the building too, right? Yeah, if you oversaturate it and then dry it out, oversaturate it and dry it out, mm -hmm. uh, that's what happens to CC lumber on your back deck. Mm -hmm. It dries out, gets too wet, it dries out, gets too wet, and it just blows away. Yeah. What about this concept that a lot of people talk about in terms of forced air heat? You hear this a lot, of, a lot in scorched the travels. Scorched air. What, what's that? Scorched air. Scorched air, right? They basically are saying that I don't like forced air, especially if you come out east like where I am with boilers and whatnot, mm -hmm. but you know, we, have the, uh, we have hot water boilers and we have steam boilers, you know, radiators and baseboards. And, and people talk about, well, I like that because it doesn't dry out the air. Forced air dries out the air. So is that a myth? That you know, no. heating the air dries out the air. You got to remember, way way back when I started, the temperature in between supply and return was 100, 110 degrees. Right. And and now with the 90 percent furnace, 97 percent, you may only get a 25 degree separation, or even a 20 degree, and. At a 20 degree, it's not gonna dry out the air as much. But is heating the air drying out the air? No. That's a myth, correct? That is a total That is myth. a commit. So when I heat up air, what do I do? I am heating up the molecules that exist in the air, the water molecules, and it's they're just getting further apart. Correct. I'm not drying out the air, I'm giving the air the ability to hold more moisture. Correct. Right? And I think that's the problem with contractors. They let customers talk about the fact that it's drying out the air, or maybe they even believe that it's drying out the air, but it's not drying out the air. You're giving the air the ability to hold more moisture because those molecules, you heat them up and you just get further and further away, right? And so now, the air is looking for more moisture, and where's it gonna get it? It's coming through the windows, through the doors, through the crawl spaces. If it exists, but if it's you know low humidity, obviously during the winter. Yeah, so I remember- Where's I, it gonna get it? I was a teenager, mm -hmm. and I put a humidifier on. Yeah, well, yeah. And then another humidifier. Yeah. And then another humidifier. Mm -hmm. And then another humidifier. Okay. And then I insulated and sealed the attic, and I took two of the humidifiers away. Yeah. I've yeah. got storm windows on. Because the air was leaking out, the humidity was all leaking out too. But let's assume uh, you know, the, you know, the, the air starts looking for moisture. You already kind of touched on that. It's gonna start building it, film the, uh, pulling it from the, the construction materials and whatnot, shrinking the doors, doors get you know, sticky and whatnot. Right. Uh, you might even see hardwood floors start to, uh, to warp a little bit, right? right. Woodman instruments get out of tune, right. right? Antiques start to get damaged a little bit. Fabric, uh, carpet, and uh, uh, furniture and whatnot starts to, to dry out. And what happens, what happens to us as humans when the air's looking for moisture? Our lungs literally become damaged because of lack of moisture. Yeah. Our lips yep. start bleeding. Nose. Our nose starts bleeding. Yep. Dry skin. Dry, very dry skin. Yeah. Headache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Static electricity. 
Yeah. yeah. So keeping the moisture in the building is very, very important. Yeah. So again, too much humidity, not enough, right? We got to manage that humidity and moisture properly, uh, you know, to sustain you know, the you know the building as well. Um, building pressure, uh, obviously, houses breathe and they breathe uncontrollably. And Allison Bales, uh, you want to write that name down, Allison A I A L I S O N Bales. B -A. He does a blog every other week. Yeah, B A I L E S EnergyVanguard.com. Yeah. Uh, great person to you know subscribe to his. He's a character. Uh, his newsletter. He's a character, but he knows his stuff. And uh, we were talking a little bit about him this morning. He knows his stuff. There's others out there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, and he has a great re website full of resources and some content I'm going to share with you too over the uh, He just wrote a book that's really good. Yeah, I haven't seen the I heard he had the book coming out. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I just ordered it. I haven't um, read it either. But how, he, he actually talks about it. And actually, the, the, the title of the books is Houses Breathe. Yep. Yeah, but like, but should they, or they don't have to, or they're not supposed to, something like that, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the name of the book, right? But they're going to breathe whether you want them to or not, unless you do a good job sealing and proving that they're sealed. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that, because you talked about that at the top of this show, ABC, right? Attics, Attics basements, basements, and then conditioned the spaces, right? And talking about how houses breathe, and they breathe uncontrollably, and there's this concept called the stack effect. Correct. Very so do you want to kind of talk about that real quick? Stack effect is... What does it mean? What's happening in the house? Well, you've got effect. the chimney effect or stack effect. Okay, so. so if you have an old atmospheric hot water heater, old, old atmospheric furnace, the, it's how you get the gases to exhaust is temperature. Right. And so if, if you go back 60, 80, 100 years ago, the, the brick chimneys were, had to be super, super hot. Yes. 600 degrees, 700 degrees. So they would draft and would literally put torches underneath the, the, the chimney to heat them up. Right. Well, it's not energy efficient at all. No. So now through EPA and, and, and the government has demanded that we make everything more and more efficient. Yeah, yeah. And so we've literally gone from a 0.5 static pressure to greater than that. Mm-hmm. So the stack effect is such a powerful thing, we have to overcome it. So how's that impacting the living space though? Like what's happening in the living space to result in, like you said, you said attic first, right? Deal with the attics, you know, yeah. sealing that because the air is leaking out at the top, right? right? It's and not so a common that 50% of your heat loss you gain is in the attic. Right. And 12-15% and can be in the basement. Yeah, because you know, if we're losing air at the top of the house, right, where are we gonna get the air? At the bottom, right? So basically, so what we're talking about here, the stack effect is that le leakage of that air at the top of the space, and uh, air is now being uh, replaced at the bottom of the space. Even if you're on a slab uh, or a crawl or a basement, it's coming in at the bottom, and then in the middle, it's equal, right? And so uh, there's a great video if you go on YouTube and look at do uh, stack effect, Dr. Energy Saver, and you know, Larry Janeski has about a 13-minute video on this. Yep. Uh, really compelling and will help you and your team to see what's going on in the house. And he'll basically see you're basically, uh, you, know, uh, so, you know, leaking at the top and kind of getting pressurized at the bottom. You're actually sucking at the bottom and blowing at the top. And basically what he says is if we go ahead and we seal the top and then of course re-insulate, right? Seal any leakage at the top, then we stop the need for any air to come into the bottom. And we actually improve the comfort and the efficiency in the space. The problem is, is a lot of people basically th start thinking about encapsulating their crawl space first, and really what you should be doing is air sealing the attic floor and then blowing back in the insulation. So suck, seal, and blow is what we say, right? Suck out the insulation in the attic, 
right? Seal the attic floor, mm -hmm. any of the penetrations and chases, and uh, um, you said can, uh, can lights or recessed lights. lights are one of there. the worst. Yeah. So it's what Plumbing I do with can lights is I put an LED retrofit kit in. Yep. And if you do that and, and seal the can light really well, mm -hmm. you can bring down the infiltration to 0 0.05 yep. CFM for can light. Yep. You can go from 20 CFM to 0 0.05 CFM. And you make the house so much more comfortable and so much more energy efficient. And it's by doing one of the that. most cost-effective things you can do. One of the most cost-effective things. I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, sealing that attic floor, putting those can light, uh, you know, kits in, and putting some additional insulation in there. In fact, most houses are well short of today's recommended Department of Energy insulation values, regardless of where you are in the United States. I think the lowest number that I've seen is R38, and in certain areas, it's R60. R60 just yeah. took place. Yeah. In some, in some places, and in certain yeah. places it's code, but again, the Department of Energy recommends no less than R38, and that's about that much insulation. 18 inches. <laughs> yeah, right? And so most houses have like this or less. You can see the uh, top of the floor joists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, joices. and so that's again, that's not great, right? Again, and we didn't know what we didn't know when houses were built, and so now it's our job to go back there and help a customer realize what's going on in their house. Rule the attic. Yep, yep, there you go. It's really important to make sure there's enough seal mm -hmm. in the attic. Your top plate on the attic, yep. uh, and it's not uncommon in more common houses, your your turn is on the top plate yep. in the middle of the building, and you need to make sure that gets caulked yep. because the wood shrinks, the sheetrock shrinks, and you'll have a quarter inch gap yep. on your top plate. Yep. It's more important to do your top plate than the outside wall plates. Yes. Even though they're important too, but it's the top plate because we have a return and we don't duct a return until frequently now. Yeah, we do. Code know. says yep. you have to duct a return. Well, in some cases, some places you don't, mm. but some places you don't have to duct returns. You can do free returns through the joist spaces and stud cavities in a lot of places still. Okay. Yep. So here you need to duct them. Yeah, and, you're, and again, your, your area may vary, and those of you in Canada, it's the Wild West maybe up there. I don't know what the rules are up in Canada. And again, I don't know what the rules are where you are. That's up to you to figure out. Uh, we're just going to kind of touch on things. But uh, check, obviously, with what code is and, and what is required. And if you're in California, then you've got to be super compliant with a whole bunch of things. That oh, my gosh. Got. Title 24, we're not even, even going to get into that stuff. We don't have time, right? Let's move on. Ventilation and exhaust, right? The V in HVAC, ventilation, and that's the one area that most contractors ignore. So Eric, talk about the importance of ventilation and exhaust. I feel mechanical ventilation be, should be put in every building. Yes. No exception. We talked about it a little bit earlier, right? Houses breathe uncontrollably, but they shouldn't. What we should do is we should seal things up real tight and then introduce the air that we want through an ERV or an HRV or a fresh air intake and duct it into the system where we control it, number one, and then we filter it, purify it, humidify it, dehumidify it, whatever it is we, that we've got to do because now we control it and it's not a house breathing uncontrollably, it's a house being controlled, right? It's a huge, big problem. Absolutely gigantic. Yeah. And then we'll put a huge, huge kitchen exhaust vent in, and we don't have makeup air for the kitchen. So if, if you don't have makeup air, where are you going to get the air from? Yeah. So you're using all the flues for makeup air. Yep. Uh, it's not uncommon now that you've got 50, 60, 70 CFM of extra air in a new building, and if you put a 300 CFM exhaust vent in the kitchen, or three bedrooms, mm -hmm. uh, bathrooms, three bedroom that can suck a hundred each. Yeah, and then you're basically using any any flu as a uh, a makeup air device. 
Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is, I mean, we don't typically leave those bathroom fans and uh, kitchen fans on 24-7, right? So they're usually, it's not usually a detriment, you know, big picture-wise, right? But overall, nowadays, more than anything, and that's obviously what we learned uh, over the last few years as far as, you know, the vid is concerned, right? And it's obviously making a comeback here, apparently, uh, this fall, that, uh, you, you know, the, the system uh, was not working in a way that typically allowed us to street sweep out the, the, you know, the, the coronavirus uh, because it was just too light and the, that particulate kind of just danced in the air and was suspended. It was what we call a fine and ultra fine part, uh, particulate, which we'll talk more about a little bit later. But uh, obviously ventilation would have helped a lot of homeowners uh, probably purify the air a little bit better than just filtration and purifying devices right. uh, there. So that, let's that's talk by, about exhaust heads diluting, a little right? bit. Yeah, go ahead. You can have a dryer, and when I grew up, there were 50 CFM. Most You're of the dryers, a dryer? A closed dryer yeah. would be a three inch. Yep. And then we had three inch for most of the bathrooms. Yep. And now your bathrooms, your main bathroom can be a six inch. Okay. And your main bathroom can be literally 250 CFM. Yeah. And your you go get a, a a new dryer, and it could be a four, five, six inch. Yeah, four, four inch. Yeah, and sure. and they're sucking out three hundred cfm. Yep. When they so run. Yep. Where's that makeup air coming from? Yep. Yeah. So you got to take that all into consideration. So we got to make sure that we're bringing in fresh air to make up any air that we're exhausting, number one. And we should be exhausting the stale air, right? Because again, uh, we'll talk more about air quality tomorrow, but the American Lung Association basically says that the average residential space is easily five times more polluted than outside air and up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air. And the reason is, is because that air is trapped in the space, right? All the off-gassing and chemical compounds that are in that space are off-gassing. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. But let's shift gears and talk about uh, a little bit about air quality as being part of the house as a system. Now, tomorrow we're getting into the details of air quality okay. um, and whatnot. But you know, when we're thinking about air quality being impacted as the house as a system, how is that you know, coming into play? It's huge. It's source control, source control, source control, and then dilute the air. Yeah. What do you think about people? Obviously, you you see, I I think, unfortunately, (laughs) to our detriment in this industry, uh, places like uh, Bed Bath & Beyond and Home Depot and Lowe's and Costco and uh, even the Sharper Image and Hemmaker Schlemmer and Brookstone, they they sell all these individual little room devices. They do a better job of marketing indoor air quality than we do. Oh, God. We as contractors, terrible. We're horrible marketers. Yes, we're. Oh, yeah. You know, I I am the brand, but nobody knows what a brand is, <laughs> and, they, and they don't know what you do. <laughs> no idea. Right. You know, they they think that a contractor basically shows up and 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 does a little bit of cleaning and then disappears forever. Yeah. And so you know, we do a very very poor job with telling what we really do and how important what we do is. Yeah, I don't think the customer understands that we, as HVAC and indoor air quality contractors, can do a better job addressing air quality at the macro level centrally yep. than them spending a bunch of money on devices that are probably got about a three to five year lifespan, that are consuming energy, and not doing as an effective job as the central system. Is that a fair statement? Oh, if you walk into a building and you see that they have a dozen different air scrubbers or, yeah. or, or little tiny things, you know that that's, that's your customer. Yeah. And all you have to do is really connect with them and to figure out what you can do to improve their health quality. Yeah. Because most customers, 
will do anything to improve their kids and their quality. Well, their kids and nourish themselves too, I think, yeah. Absolutely. And, and they will mortgage the house to improve the air quality of the house. Good point. I, 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 and, and after what has happened over the last couple of years, I think without a doubt, everybody would do that, especially if they've lost somebody or somebody got severely impacted by the vid, right? Right. So one of my favorite questions is, how did COVID affect you? Yeah. Nice. I love that question. But you, you might want to write that one down. Ask that, say that again. How did COVID affect you? Yeah, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's a great question. And again, a lot of, unfortunately, that topic got politically charged. But again, it's something that you know, we need to address because, again, it's back out in the news. They're talking about different things going on, obviously going on overseas and the, you know, the, the lockdowns and the mandates over there. Right. But uh, you know, they're talking about possibly some of the mandates coming back here at some level. And, right. and, and I've got to tell you, I started traveling here. Uh, the, the, well, I've been traveling in the last you know, couple months, but these last few weeks, I have seen more people in masks at the airports right. than I have for the, like, the last eight months. And that's why I drove here. One of the reasons, because I didn't want to go to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so well, how many people did you know have been killed or been severely hurt with COVID? Uh, that died, that lost life, uh, probably that I know personally. Um, 25? Le- no, not even that many, like okay. less than five. Uh, I, I mean, I got it myself twice. My son got it twice. I know a lot of people that got it, um, right. you know, impacted. I wasn't even impacted all that bad, but uh, okay. um, I know some people got it pretty bad. You know, Russ, Russ got, my business partner got hit pretty hard, but uh, he bounced back. Um, but yeah, we lost actually uh, the gentleman who was my client here in Colorado Springs, J.D. Hill. We lost him last year. Uh, he's the guy uh, that I was working with, I was working for when we hired Weldon uh, Long out of prison. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, but he had the comorbidities. Yeah. Right. Uh, Rob Falk died because of COVID. Uh, Rob Falk died of complications due to comorbidities. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. diabetic too. Yeah, he had di- diabetes and I, I think uh, he had a little bit of heart disease and something yep. else going on uh, there too. Yeah. So he had some issues. He actually had a, a big, big heart uh, operation a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there were other things that went on as a result of that. So I love that question. Not like I say, again, you're not trying to be, you're not trying to pounce, right? You're not trying to capitalize on opportunity. Again, we're asking the question because we sincerely care and we want to help. Because we don't believe that customers know that we can help. I don't think customers understand what it is all that we do and, and the difference in the impact that we can make in their lives. And really, that's at the end of the day, that's what this is about the impact and difference that we can make in people's lives. And so uh, we do that through some questioning. We'll talk more about the survey tomorrow. One of the problems with just buying a UV light is a UV light can actually pollute the house. Okay, talk about that a little bit. Okay, this is really important. I don't feel just the UV light is gonna solve all your problems. No, obviously not. Not one thing will solve all the problems. And, And if you put too much ozone in a building, too much UV in a building, you can actually cr- create daughters and aunts and uncles and stepkids and other issues. Sure, right, because basically it's creating chemical compounds that are basically yeah, getting oxidized. And yeah. So if, if you test a building and it has huge volumes of VOCs, you need to start figuring out what those are, what mm-hmm. the sources are. Mm-hmm. And I've ran into a dozen houses that have had half a dozen UV makers 
and it created ozone and other issues. Okay, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Cutting the plug was more important than anything. Good. And more than one house. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about air quality in depth tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about the, you know, the nature of the problems as well as the solutions in great detail tomorrow, so. It's usually source control, by the way. Yeah, uh, source control, yeah, that's, that's what we'll talk about, right? And, like, and I love the idea, right? Like you say, when you walk into the house and you see all these devices, first off, these people would love to get back some of their, you know, uh, uh, counter or, or uh, tabletop or, or dresser space that they've got because these devices are there or floor space that they've got. Um, yeah, you get rid of these, these devices. And like I say, they have to be re, you know, cleaned and replaced every, uh, every so often. And, and, and people the don't amount of the energy it takes. And one customer was spending $300 a month in electricity, yep. moving air around, and they were actually making more pollution yep. than, than they were taking out. Yeah. So uh, again, so we, we can deal with that because at the end of the day, again, we're beginning with the end in mind. We're optimizing for this result, right? We want to create an energy responsible or energy smart, comfortable, safe, healthy, and sustainable indoor environment. At the end of the day, the customer doesn't want what it is that we offer, right? They don't want the things. They get the things to get item number six the outcome, the result, right? I mean, they don't want an air conditioner. They don't want a filter. They don't want a UV light. They don't want air sealing or insulation. They don't want any of that, right? They want really good, clean air. They want a good night's sleep, right? Yep. They want to be comfortable in every area of their room of yep. their house, right? They, they want, to, want to be able to breathe air in right? continuously that's not polluted. They want to make sure that they're being a good parent and taking care of their kids, right? Taking care of their pets. Right, yeah, taking care of their pets. Yeah, yeah, you were talking about that a little bit earlier, right? People are buying, I mean, you were talking about, I think it was last night, you were talking about somebody bought something because their pet had allergies and they spent quite a bit of money on an indoor air quality system. They spent 15 grand on the pet one year <laughs> and... It basically was the uh, the dust that the the pet was lying on was making the the dust the the dust was making the animal sick. Yeah, and it was from a, a crawl space that had mold on it. Oh wow! So it was irritating the the the, the pet skin. Right, and right. then the dog would shed too much, and then the sh the, the the dog was making the an the, uh, the the whole house sick. Yeah, it's cra crazy stuff. And like I said, people. Are wildly, uh, you know, crazy about their pets and, of course, their kids and, of course, themselves. You know, we've got we got more conscious nowadays about ourselves. You know, we just used to kind of run recklessly when we were growing up, and you know, we were drinking out of hoses growing up. Right now, now we're all drinking out of bottled water and you know, filtered <laughs> water and reverse osmosis, and yeah, you know, uh, you know, water is a boutique thing now. So let's kind of uh, again, we begin with the end in mind, and then we're mindful, intentional, and we execute with intensity in what it is that we do. Right? But we begin with that end in mind. And so item number six is what I want you thinking about when you go into a home is that that's what a customer ultimately wants. Right? How are we going to get there? We're going to look at the first five items. Right? And that's what we're going to build on over the next couple of days is the house is a system and it all functions together. And I understand some of it you may not do yourself. And again, we didn't even talk about plumbing and electrical stuff. I'm talking about just the, you know, the comfort aspect of things. But uh, we're going to kind of build on that concept here. And again, I'm going to give you a document that has three articles in the singular document called a house as a system. And you can kind of dig, it, uh, dig a little bit deeper on that. Awesome content right there from Drew and Eric. Be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, click the button below. You'll get a free 30-day trial, which will give you access to all of our content here at Contract University. That's our show for this week. We'll see you next time. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.